welcome into a new week of the show all about Dixie. I'm John Rawl. This is Y'all Talk with a Accent on All Things Southern. Talk with a Southern Accent. It's what we do each and every Monday through Friday. We're so glad you could take some time from your day. Maybe you're working. Maybe you're at the beach. Maybe you're in the mountains or somewhere in between. We're just glad you could join us here on Y'all. And we have a very good show coming your way today. We've got headlines from across the Southeast, including, unfortunately, what happened at the end of last week in Houston, Texas. A death of a Sikh officer there, the first Sikh in the Harris County Sheriff's Office, gunned down in the line of duty. We've got the information on that sad story from Houston, Texas. Also, we've got other headlines from across the Southeast. And later this hour, hashtag Hullabaloo is going to be coming your way with plenty of good information from Instagram and Twitter. We start hour two of this y'all show with our sports recap of the weekend. We've got the breaking news in the college football rankings Clemson, hold the tiger. You're not holding on to the number one spot. You have lost it to that team from Tuscaloosa way. Alabama is now number one. We'll tell you why and how and the shakeup of the top 25. When we have our recap of sports weekend, hour two is where you'll find that. Plus, we've got the latest with the NFL scores from Sunday. Some surprising games. I'm looking at you, Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm looking at you, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hey, even the Carolina Panthers got a road win this past weekend against a pretty good Houston Texans team. All that coming in our out don't want to leave out the tennessee titans big road win for the titans against an nfc opponent all that coming up in our recap plus the nascar winner at charlotte this weekend and we'll set the stage for major leagues playoffs we know now your division winners and your wild card winners and you're going to see some action going on as early as tuesday on the national league wild card front and we'll break it all down in our sports rewind in hour two and then we'll bring on Jerry Short, the teller of tales from Takapola. And today, September 30th, it means a lot to Jerry Short because it was on this day, September 30th, 1962, before probably most of you were born, including myself. Jerry Short participated in what is considered one of the key moments of the civil rights struggle. He was actually a part of the riot on the campus of the University of Mississippi. And he's one of the guys that actually rioted but those people throughout all these 57 years have pretty much kept their mouth shut. Well, Jerry Short was a 16-year-old that night, a deadly night in Oxford, Mississippi. And he's going to talk about what he did, what he saw, what he, what he felt, and what the reaction's been now 57 years later. And this is, again, something that you don't hear the other side of the story. In fact, you don't even hear... The people that were pushing for James Meredith's integration talk all that much because, frankly, a lot of people are dead. It's 57 years ago we're talking about here. But James Meredith, the central figure of the integration at the University of Mississippi, he's been a guy that's kind of been ostracized by the university community. He's a very strange bird, and but he's certainly a person that goes down in history as one of the key, pick, key figures of civil rights history. And... We'll find out more from Jerry about all that, but you don't want to miss out. If you love history, if you love the civil rights struggle, this is a guy, again, that was against, at, at 16 years old, he and 99% of the community against the integration, and he's going to talk about it, what he saw, what he witnessed. He actually got arrested during the civil rights integration of Ole Miss, and so all that coming up with Jerry Short, you don't want to miss it. It's a historic moment that you uh, might want to bookmark and listen to later with jerry when we have our takapola storyteller again on this the 57th anniversary 
of the Ole Miss integration. And that's coming your way here on today's Y'all Show. We've got a whole week full of great shows. We've got our barbecue and Big 12 barrister dropping by on Tuesday. We have a great political report coming your way on Tuesday's Y'all Show. When we get to Wednesday, we're going to have our ACC spotlight. Plus, we'll have all the latest coming out of Nashville's Music Row with Precious Harris. Hey, there's a great event going on Thursday that will bring on a special guest from Greenville, South Carolina. It's called Fall for Greenville. It's happening in early October. And we've got a very special guest lined up that's going to come on and break down Fall for Greenville, which brings thousands and thousands of people to the upstate of South Carolina. And we'll learn more about that in our Festive South feature. We'll also have on Thursday our SEC Spotlight. We're hoping our people can connect with his people, but we're hoping Ryan Fowler of The Game in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, the only sports station, the only really good local sports show on that sports station, Ryan Fowler, who's been a guest with us before and a great friend of the program. We're hoping that we can line him up for Thursday's SEC Spotlight. And then, of course, come Friday, we'll have our Y'all Kickoff Show, two hours of great coverage leading you up to kickoff on this, the sixth weekend of college football. Well, before we get into the headlines, just got to quickly share with you a little bit of my week five of college football. I went to a, a great game that went to four overtime, Sanford and the Citadel Bulldogs. And unfortunately, my Bulldogs came out on the short end of the stick, but a, a great college environment there in Homewood, Alabama. And a four overtime, the longest game in the history of one of the schools. I know I'm not sure about Sanford. And it was tough to endure that much and, and come out with a loss. And the other thing is it was hot. I mean, we're, we're almost in October and it was pushing mid nineties, I think on an artificial turf field of which I went down on because I had a press pass and I was down there for some of the game and it was, it was rather brutal. So perhaps that's why the, the good Bulldogs ended up going back to Charleston with the big L. So I, I, I hate that for them. But remember, this is the same team to beat Georgia Tech just two weeks ago. Kind of the twists and turns of college sports, how you can be on a mountain one day and down in a valley the very next day. And that's that's what happened. But I want to tell you that while in the area, I got to spend a couple of days in the Twin Cities. And I really had never spent that much time. I only kind of went through before and passed through, but never spent time in the Twin Cities. That would be Vestavia Hills and Hoover. <laughs> As I've been going through the Birmingham area for 25 years, and I've never spent the night in either one of those. Well, that's not true. I stayed at the Winfrey there in Hoover two two nights, I think, before, a long time ago. There at the mall, the fancy mall there. and that, But that was a long time ago. But never spent time in Vestavia Hills other than maybe passing through and eating some barbecue or or doing other things. So I appreciate it. Thank you for the hospitality there. Vestavia Hills, go Rebels, and Hoover, Alabama. I think they're the Buccaneers. And uh, got a good time there in that area and got me some Milo's tea. And, you know, you talk about a guy that has a problem. I had literally 600 yards maybe from one side of my hotel, Milo's, the great hamburger joint around birmingham that packages the tea that's sold all over the south now i could have gone that direction and then maybe 500 yards the other direction on the other side of i-65 i had bojangles which is not commonly found in parts of tennessee or mississippi or louisiana or arkansas it's only in several of our states but not all over the south bojangles famous chicken and biscuits and so i had that great debate of which one of those i went to so you know what i did i went to both 
So thank you, Best Davy Hills and Hoover, for having both of those great Southern establishments, especially since it was in the hometown. Milo's, man. Here, here, if you've never had a Milo's burger, let me tell you what it will remind you of because Milo's has a special kind of sauce they put on their burgers, and you only find the actual Milo's burger joints in the central Alabama area around Birmingham. They haven't kind of followed the other Birmingham area restaurant, Jack's, and gone beyond the state boundaries that I'm aware of, at least. And it, the, the signature burger there is the burger there sold at Milo's, but it comes with a kind of a barbecue sauce. And it hit me while having it this past weekend for the first time in a while. You know what this kind of tastes like and reminds you of? And it got me kind of having a big smile on my face. It kind of resembles the McRib from McDonald's. And hey, we're almost to McRib time. McDonald's, let us know. We want to we wanna promote McRib. I love a good McRib once or twice during the fall. And we're almost to McRib time here. So that is a, a good sign. I've seen some leaves fall from trees. I see cotton blooming. Ooh, man, some great looking cotton fields on my trip into Alabama here this week. But uh, the sure sign that you're getting closer and closer to Christmas time is the introduction of the McRib each fall. And that is fast approaching if it's not already here. All right, let's get into our headlines from across the southeast. And sadly, we do have that story of a Harris County officer in Texas being killed in the line of duty as Sandy Dalawale was killed while being shot from behind during a traffic stop on Friday. He was the Harris County, Texas Sheriff's Office, their first Sikh on duty there and a force that covers all of the Houston area as the nation's fourth largest city is Houston, Texas. And four years ago, he won an accommodation to wear his turban and beard while on patrol. And Dollywall, a 42-year-old, was killed in the line of duty again during a traffic stop. And now the Houston area is remembering this slain deputy who had devoted his life to the Sikh faith and was very beloved there in the Houston area, shot uh, last week and, and dying in the Houston, Texas area. So our thoughts go out to his family, to the Sikh community of Houston, and just a horrible thing that happened the man who was arrested for this robert solis has an extensive criminal history he's been charged with capital murder and dolly walls killing the 47 year old was denied bond at a hearing early on saturday so our thoughts again to the harris county texas sheriff's office and the family of officer dolly wall there in texas another sad statement that we've lost another man another officer here that wears the blue. A story from Virginia that's disturbing. By the time drug enforcement agents swooped into his medical office in Martinsville, Virginia, Dr. Joel Smithers had prescribed about a half million doses of highly addictive opioids in only two years as patients from a couple of states drove hundreds of miles to see him and they got all these powerful painkillers. And now this doctor is facing life in prison for thousands of opioid doses that he prescribed. In the past two decades, opioids have killed about 400,000 Americans. And, of course, we know it's killed all these 400,000 people, but it's torn families apart. And Appalachia, of which Martinsville, Virginia, where he's from, and the Richmond area as well, have just really struggled. And this doctor, a 36-year-old married father of five, now facing the possibility of life in prison, 
after he's already been convicted of more than 800 counts of illegally prescribing drugs, including oxycodone and oxymorphone that caused the death of a West Virginia woman. He's going to be sentenced, and the best Smithers can hope for is a mandatory minimum of 20 years. But uh, to my knowledge, I'm sure there have been other cases of doctors going off to jail for these prescription overdoses, but uh, it doesn't happen all that often. And this is something that we need reform, and I hate to hear all these innocent people maybe being prescribed in this case, people who probably were vulnerable, and they didn't need a doctor like Joel Smithers giving them the ammunition to go off and kill themselves, not necessarily directly, but becoming addicted to these opioids and as a result, losing their lives. A sad, sad statement that is not only a Virginia story, but we know all too often the problem this region, this country has with opioid overdoses and opioid over addiction and and overdoses. A sad story coming from from the Palmetto State. A 22-year-old man has been charged with killing a postal service worker who was on her delivery route when she was shot to death. And Trevor Seward, arrested Saturday and now accused of murdering 64-year-old Irene Presley in Andrews, South Carolina. This is in Georgetown County, kind of halfway between Charleston and Myrtle Beach is where Andrews is, on on the coast but inland a good bit as Irene Presley was shot several times in her truck while working that mail route, a postal service worker gunned down again by this 22-year-old man. And mourners just unfortunately had to come out and witness the death of family members of this of this innocent post. I don't know if there was a connection or not. Local media reporting that he was arrested on a state murder charge, Seward that was, and he's also a federal crime to kill a postal worker and that's punishable by the death penalty. So more to come, sadly, out of Andrews, South Carolina. A witness reported seeing Seward with an AR-15-type weapon a short time before Presley was killed, and he was sentenced to probation under South Carolina's Youthful Offender Act for a 2016 burglary conviction. And again, a sad statement. A 64-year-old postal service worker, Irene Presley, killed in Andrews, South Carolina. And luckily, our good news, the man who did this is alleged to have done this behind bars and now just uh unfortunate there from the state of south carolina a man in georgia who crashed his vehicle into a restaurant where he once worked and set it on fire amid the lunchtime rush has been convicted of arson this happened in augusta georgia the richmond county superior court found 37 year old roland croyle guilty but mentally ill they did this on friday they found him guilty on 24 counts of arson aggravated assault and criminal damage to property in the 2017 fire as authorities say Kroll crashed into the twin peaks restaurant then threw buckets of fuel propane tanks and fuel soaked blankets inside and torched it he'd worked there before being fired for drinking on the job his defense attorney says Kroll was depressed and wanted to end his life and he's now of course in prison he, he he's going to go to jail he's actually facing Get this, 140 years in prison for restaurant arson. And more to come there from the CSRA on this disturbing story. Another story out of Georgia here that's rather disturbing. A woman in Georgia was shot in the head by her boyfriend, but didn't realize what had happened to her for more than a month, according to prosecutors. 42-year-old Nicole Gordon of Atlanta found out when doctors discovered a bullet lodged in the rear of her skull According to the Fulton County District Attorney Paul Howard, the doctors treated Gordon at an Atlanta medical center where she'd gone after complaining of headaches, memory loss, and 
difficulty communicating. And last week, 39-year-old Geronte Kane was sentenced to 25 years in prison in connection with the June 2017 shooting of which Nicole Gordon got shot in the head. Shot in the head, didn't even realize it? That's hard to believe. Gordon told police she didn't remember being shot, but did remember an argument with Kane during which her car window shattered and she passed out. She thought she was hurt by a broken glass and was patched up at the home of the man's mother. And she said at no point during the month between the fight with Kane and her eventual visit to the Atlanta Medical Center did Gordon receive any professional care. That's kind of a miracle story coming out of Atlanta with this. But this woman thankfully survived and now the man that shot her is going to be going off, shot by her boyfriend, going off to the prison for quite some time. Another story out of Georgia here to tell you about. Tyler Perry, the beloved actor, the beloved director and more. He said he cannot just jump up and leave filming in his native state despite Hollywood's backlash against the state's heartbeat abortion law. Tyler Perry made the remarks to the Associated Press on Friday when he was discussing the upcoming opening of his massive Atlanta-based studio. Of course, he does most of his work right there in his native Atlanta area. And a lot of people out there besides Tyler Perry have come out against the state of Georgia after Brian Kemp signed the restrictive abortion bill into law back in May. But Tyler Perry, who has Medea and Why Did I Get Married, those films, He's committed to staying in Georgia. He says that Atlanta has been the dream. It has been the promised land. So when I got here, this whole state and city has been amazing to me, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. Also, I put $250 million in the ground here and in the studio. So when you have a quarter of a billion dollars sat down in the ground, you just can't up and leave. So good for him. Of course, this is a law that's been debated, and people – uh, of course, out in the left, Hollywood have had major issues with what Brian Kemp has put into law there in Georgia. And we've seen some other Hollywood A-listers and B-listers and more come out against Georgia. Alyssa Milano, I know, has come into Atlanta and voiced her opinion. And you see other productions perhaps pulling out. But Tyler Perry says, no, nope, I'm not going to just up and leave the state of Georgia. And we appreciate that, Tyler in Virginia Beach, Virginia, Henry Frank Herbig, a 65-year-old, he wanted to kill his wife. And guess what? It backfired on him. He's now been denied bond. He's a Florida resident. He was denied bond after he's alleged to try to murder his wife after things went awry earlier this month when he was shot and ended up being paralyzed himself. And he appeared in a court video this last couple of days from his jail hospital bed charged with aggravated malicious wounding and breaking and entering with intent to commit a felony. He broke into the Virginia Beach home of his estranged wife back on September 8th and assaulted her and her daughter with a wrench. And he was shot in the spine by his stepdaughter during the attack and left paralyzed. Authorities determined she acted in self-defense and did not press charges against her. But he was paralyzed when this plot to kill his estranged wife it all backfired. Investigators said they found a journal in Herbig's car that noted his plans to commit the murder. Said he used several cars to drive from Florida to Virginia and bought gas cans so he wouldn't have to stop. He also had multiple cell phones, disguises, garbage bags, zip ties, duct tape, and weapons. Had a wooden baton, a wrench, and a firearm. All again trying to kill his wife and get away with it. And he's wealthy and isn't a flight risk, according to prosecutors, because of his connections to several pilots and homes, one is which near the Canadian border. But again, the woman's, I think, daughter 
ended up uh, putting a little monkey in his wrench and he is behind bars and he's left paralyzed and this murder plot gone certainly wrong and that's a good thing that it ended up going wrong because his estranged wife is alive and well thankfully well we'll have more headlines after the break we'll also before the hour ends we'll have hashtag huddle blue this is y'all don't you go anywhere I want to keep my heart healthy, so I get my cholesterol checked regularly. And when my doctor told me my cholesterol was borderline, I found garlic. According to my pharmacist, there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. And one garlic tablet is equal to a whole clove of garlic, except it's odor-free. Yep, I'm doing what I can for my cholesterol, and I'm doing it with garlic. Garlic, cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Credit products are issued by WebBank. Member FDIC rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Offer valid for loan products 90 days after today. Other restrictions supply. See website for details. How do I feel? Awesome. Like a huge weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Hundreds of thousands of people are discovering the relief of a fixed-rate debt consolidation loan through Avant. I paid off all my credit cards, and now I just have one easy monthly payment with Avant. And I don't have to worry about the rates going up. Avant offers you access to unsecured debt consolidation loans from $2,000 to $35,000. When I saw Avant was accredited by the Better Business Bureau, I knew that was the company for me. Do you know how good it feels to only worry about one monthly payment? Experience the relief of a debt consolidation loan through Avant. Plus, get a free $50 Amazon gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and get this free offer, go to Avant.com and enter code 5252 when applying. Avant.com code 5252. That's Avant.com code 5252. This is a cow. A cow whose milk became everyone's favorite cheese at the craft fair. But cheese only lasts so long. The impression a small business makes needs to last much longer. And now Vistaprint is introducing free shipping on all business cards in any quantity. Choose from hundreds of fresh designs tailored to your type of company. Or upload your own. The choice is yours. The time is now. For a limited time only, get free shipping on all business cards in any quantity with promo code 9999. That's promo code 9999 at Vistaprint.com. Vistaprint. Own the now. Y'all talk with a southern accent, and we want to hear your accent. Text or call 803-816-1170 with a question or a comment. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Y'all Show. Make sure to like the Y'all.com Facebook page and bookmark the website Y'all.com, which has bunches of great southern reads, and get the on-demand editions at iTunes Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, and the iHeartRadio apps. Now back to the Y'all Show with your host, John Rawl. Continuing on with more headlines from across the southeast, and sadly, we report the death of a Collierville, Tennessee native, Major Trevor Joseph, commander of C Company of the Aviation Medevac Unit, known in the Army as the Cajun Dustoff. He was killed in a crash in Fort Polk, Louisiana, at the end of last week, as the Army has released the name of this soldier as he was killed Thursday, according to Fort Polk, around 12.50 on September 26, 12.50 in the morning. A soldier from the Joint Readiness Training Center and Fort Polk's 1st Battalion, 5th Aviation Regiment, 
was killed in a UH-60 Blackhawk helicopter accident during the JRTC rotation within the Fort Polk training area. Three other soldiers were injured in the crash and evidently have survived. But unfortunately, the Collierville, Tennessee Major Trevor Joseph killed in this crash at Fort Polk in southwestern Louisiana. Thank you for your service, Major, and Godspeed to you and to your family as they grieve your loss and your unselfish sacrifice here for our country and our nation's security. Well, as I told you in the previous segment, I happened to be watching a college football game in person on Saturday, at least in my part of Alabama where I was. It was darn hot, and most of the South felt really scorching temperatures over the last couple of days. And want to let you, the, the calendar may say that it's almost October and we're into fall officially, but it's been pretty brutal out there. Summer like temperatures sticking around for a couple more days in some places in the south. Highs this week in the lower 90s and heat indexes pushing up to the upper 90s are near triple digits. And there's very little extra moisture, humidity in the air. There's a slight chance for a couple of stray showers in some parts of the south. But yeah, it's pretty darn hot as we get ready to enter October. We got temperatures in the 90s and more. Some people are also keeping an eye on the Atlantic for Hurricane Lorenzo, a Category 3 storm right now churning out there in the ocean, probably not going to affect too much. Expected to head toward the Canary Islands, I think, but uh, still could have some kind of indirect impact on the southeast coast. But uh, hot for sure, especially if you're out like me attending a college football game as I was this past weekend, ready Ready for at least a, a light jacket when you can take that in there and then take it off if you get a little little toasty. A woman was walking along Charlotte Pike in Nashville and then decided to, because she was hot and because she's out there in the warm temperatures of late September, she decided to go totally nude. And you won't believe what Princess Denise Day gave as an excuse for walking down Charlotte Pike. Totally. I mean, totally in the nude the 35 year old decided that she was going to strip down totally i'm talking about everything because it's hot she said she was going to a friend's house but that she was not going to turn around and go home because of the heat so she just decided to take her shirt her pants and all the other parts of clothing off and walk down charlotte pike which is a pretty darn busy road in the nashville area and investigators say that she did not appear to be under the influence at the time of her arrest and that she had no outstanding warrants. She's got to go to court in October. I wonder if she's going to be wearing clothes when she ends up going to court for uh, Princess Denise. What a name. Princess Denise Day. Uh, clothes too hot. I, I feel you. I feel you there, Princess. And we go to North Carolina for a story. We got a couple of animal related stories we want to get to you and an Oprah story too. Oprah update. Actually, good news for Oprah Winfrey and really good news for those who she's going to be helping, but that's still to come right now. A kind of a serious story. Now that we're about to hit October, we're in September months that have R's in them. If you know anything about oysters, you know that, Hey, oysters are kind of a big deal in the South and. You kind of need to eat oysters when they're in the right season. Well, officials in North Carolina are investigating whether tainted oysters led to the death of a Raleigh man, as media outlets report that David Argay of the Cary area of North Carolina, of Raleigh, in the Raleigh area, he died last week after visiting coastal Wilmington, North Carolina, 
as the newspaper in Wilmington reports the state health and seafood officials said his death by fibrosis was caused by a bacteria which can be in raw or undercooked shellfish or which can enter the body through an open wound. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says fibrosis causes about 100 deaths and 80,000 illnesses in the U.S. each year. But I don't know the name of the restaurant. Probably don't want to accuse the restaurant since this is a developing story. But sad news there as the Cary, North Carolina native David Argay dead after perhaps eating tainted oysters while in Wilmington over the last couple of days. In Georgia, a woman was pumping gas and ended up getting kicked in the head by a deer. Yes, this woman said she went up to her gas tank before work when her deer leaped over her head, kicking her in the process. And this happened to Linda Tennant as she was pumping gas in Brunswick down on the, I guess, the Atlantic coast of Georgia. And this event happened last week. She said she thought she was being robbed. The animal's hoof hit when she wasn't looking. She says she stood there for a minute to process what happened. Didn't receive any other injuries. Despite everything she told a local TV station, she was still in good spirits. The deer ran off. But yes, pumping gas and the deer kicking her in the head in the process I hope this was pretty rural there in Brunswick. I hope this wasn't in like downtown Brunswick, Georgia, and this woman, Linda Tennant, getting hit over there. That would have been even more scary, but still a rough deal. How about a hero animal here? A pit bull, unfortunately, has died. But guess what? It died after protecting the Florida family of which it was a member of. The kids of that family were going to maybe get bit by a coral snake, and this pit bull got in between, and the eight-month pit bull died after protecting two young children from this venomous snake. And the dog, the pit bull named Zeus, was one of Gary and Gina Richardson's pets. And their sons were in the backyard last week. This was in Sumter County, Florida. As their kids were in the backyard cleaning their dog Zeus's water bowl when a coral snake slithered undetected up to the children. And all of a sudden, the snake, which was close to the sun, ended up getting in the way and the dog got there and it was bit four times by this coral snake the family rushed the dog zeus to the hospital to the vet hospital but unfortunately died but probably helped keep these kids from being attacked and maybe bitten by this coral snake in florida now just in case you don't know about coral snakes they're pretty venomous highly venomous in fact and the species is all over parts of the southeast at least coastal areas for sure and they're just uh, kind of give you an idea they are their range is really mississippi's coastal area alabama they're in the entire state of florida coastal areas of georgia south carolina north carolina actually go well inland almost to columbia is where you'll find coral snakes and they're rather scary it's rarer in north carolina and south carolina see them but it's more typically found in scrub oak forest and pitch pine habitats near the coast as well as the coastal plain of the entire southeast but uh pretty darn scary these coral snakes they're beautiful if you see them they've got kind of a black and dark red color a gold color as well and they are generally less than 31 inches in total length the maximum length of a coral snake ever reported was four feet long but they're rather venomous very scary i think maybe the most venomous of our south snakes and this dog there in florida luckily uh, saved the life of the kid but unfortunately passed away in the process thank you zeus for your sacrifice
A woman in Chattanooga wanted to rescue this little kitten. And guess what? The kitten was not a cute little kitten that she tried to rescue and, and did rescue. But she found out soon after this Chattanooga woman, Jill Hicks, was driving around Graysville Road in the Chattanooga area. And she saw this kitten darting across the road. And she consulted with neighbors and actually kind of tried to help out. But it wasn't a kitten. It was a bobcat. She took the cat to a local wildlife sanctuary where she was named the cat Arwen. And the wildlife rescue hopes that to have Marwin there until March. But she said she wouldn't have done anything as she tried to help this cat, which ended up being a little tiny bobcat kitten there in the Chattanooga area. Yeah, even bobcats can be cute as kittens. But good Lord, I don't think you want to be hanging out with them when they get to be grown-ups. Where's Jerry Shore? Where's Jerry Shore? Where's Jerry Clower when you need him? Shoot this thing! Oh, yeah. And speaking of Mississippi, hey, from Jerry Clower to Oprah Winfrey, we go to the Kosciuszko, Mississippi native. And Oprah shocked attendees at a Charlotte, North Carolina fundraiser over the last couple of days when she announced a donation of more than a million dollars toward the United Negro College Fund. Of course, she went to a historically black college, Tennessee State University in Nashville, and the Charlotte Observer reports that Oprah and ONN, her television network, made a surprise announcement over the weekend while speaking at Charlotte's 17th annual Maya Angelou Women Who Lead Luncheon. UNCF officials were hoping the luncheon would help raise 500000 for deserving area students to attend historically black colleges, and that's when Oprah, she pulled out the shocker. I think it was last week she, was it last week she pulled out on one of those TV shows, a some kind of she got her own book reading deal or something like that. See, that shows what I know about daytime television. But I saw it was trending for a while. But uh, another surprise coming from Oprah with a big donation to the United Negro College Fund, a million bucks going to help needy students in at least North Carolina and maybe some of our other great southern states. Great job, Oprah and Kosciuszko. And even Nashville, which she spent some of her time in, proud of this native daughter. When we come back on y'all, we will get to hashtag hullabaloo. And you don't want to miss out on the fun of that. We've got some good stuff from both Instagram and Twitter. And that will conclude this first hour. And then we'll get to hour two today when we'll have our sports recap. And Jerry Short will come on to talk about his role and the riot that happened at Ole Miss in 1962. Yes, as a 16-year-old, he was out there, and you're not going to believe that story. And it's coming up in hour two today. So all that right here on Y'all. Welcome, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Smokey Cole Bear, filling in for Smokey on his birthday. Because after 75 years of... Only you can prevent wildfires. Turns out there's much more to say. Just look at the news. Nearly 90% of wildfires are caused by us humans being careless. And I'm not just talking about obvious things like campfires or letting your totally sweet nephew, Francis, play with matches. I'm talking about dumping your used barbecue coals willy-nilly or parking your car on tall, dry grass. That can lead to poof. Guess the song was wrong. We did start the fire. But listen... Being a South Carolinian, I respect Mother Nature and her trees, whether coniferous, deciduous, or new car scented. So if you love the outdoors like me, go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention, because fire safety is always in season. 
Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Credit products are issued by WebBank. Member FDIC rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Offer valid for loan products 90 days after today. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How do I feel? Awesome. Like a huge weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Hundreds of thousands of people are discovering the relief of a fixed-rate debt consolidation loan through Avant. I paid off all my credit cards, and now I just have one easy monthly payment with Avant. And I don't have to worry about the rates going up. Avant offers you access to unsecured debt consolidation loans from $2,000 to $35,000. When I saw Avant was accredited by the Better Business Bureau, I knew that was the company for me. Do you know how good it feels to only worry about one monthly payment? Experience the relief of a debt consolidation loan through Avant. Plus, get a free $50 Amazon gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and get this free offer, go to Avant.com and enter code 5252 when applying. Avant.com code 5252. That's Avant.com code 5252. the official hashtag Huddleblue fight song. Welcome back here on this getting the week started edition of y'all talk with a Southern accent with your host, John Rawl and hashtag Huddleblue is our spot on the y'all show where we kind of go right into social media, Instagram, Twitter, and more and kind of find out what y'all got talking. Well, what's going on in the South? And that's what we'd find here via social media accounts and more. And we start out this hashtag Huddleblue on Instagram from the account of Corey Barr, that's C-O-R-Y-B-A-H-R, and Corey Barr writes, Who's ready for a Holy Biscuits reboot at standardcoffee.co, hashtag biscuits, hashtag southern, hashtag boudin, and hashtag Chef Corey Barr. I guess Corey Barr's a chef. Hey, who knew? Well, we had to do some looking into this here, Corey Barr. And from our great research team here at the Y'all Show, we think we know what what you're talking about there when you're talking about a reboot of Holy Biscuits. We got to go to Northeast Louisiana for this. We'll find ourselves in Monroe. That's the Duck Dynasty hometown. And not Duck Dynasty, but Heritage Catering is found in Monroe, Louisiana, located at 1500 North 19th Street. And Heritage Catering, you'll find... There, Chef Corey Barr, as he brings his unique twist to southern food in pop-ups around the Monroe, West Monroe area. Be on the lookout for Holy Biscuits with his specialty boudin, our barbecue delights with ribs and pulled pork. So, Chef Corey Barr doing a little self-promotion here this weekend. If you find yourself there in Monroe or even in West Monroe, go Rebels, you might want to track down Heritage Catering and find Chef Corey Barr, B-A-H-R. I guess that's the same way as our Attorney General spells his name there. Is he Bob Barr? Is he B-A-H-R or B-A-R-R? I can't remember. But uh, I don't want Bob Barr... Whether, how, no matter how he spells his name, knocking on my door. How about y'all? But I wouldn't mind Cory Bar knocking on my door, especially with a great delivery of holy biscuits. Ooh, with his boudin and his barbecue ribs and pulled pork going along with those beautiful biscuits. By the way, I told y'all earlier this hour, I found myself at a Bojangles Biscuits this past weekend. 
And I had me a chicken biscuit, the Cajun chicken biscuit, and a plain biscuit too, with a little strawberry jam. Strawberry. What a shame on me. I just said jam. There's no such thing as jam. I had a little packet of strawberry jelly. I think it's called jam on the packaging. But if you're a southerner, there ain't no such thing as jam. Uh, don't get me in a jam, jam it. I had strawberry jelly along with my Bojangles biscuit. And here's what I did, Chef Corey Barr. I'm sure your holy biscuits are just as good as Bojangles. But uh, I had to split that biscuit in two. So I ate half of it nice and warm and plain because they're great at Bojangles that way. And I bet you they're great at holy biscuits that way. But I just had to mix in some of that good old strawberry jelly to the other half of it. So, hey, I go both ways. I like my biscuits plain, and I like them with some jelly. And I bet you y'all do, too. But I got to get down to Monroe, get there in North Louisiana, and check out Heritage Catering. Maybe I'll catch a Warhawks game and get me some holy biscuits all at the same time. Might even run into Native Son tim mcgraw while i'm there in monroe cameron black is on twitter at real cam black eight a southern taste with a healthy twist we got a couple of food related things here fyi get our hashtag hullabaloo up and going today and cameron black puts on twitter this week a picture of cornbread along with something called kodiak cakes and i had to go look up what kodiak's cakes what exactly that is it's spelled k-o-d-i-a-k like something you'd find out of alaska of all places well it turns out if you go to the website kodiakcakes.com you'll find out a lot more but just to give you an idea of what they sell and again cameron's pretty high on this as they say a southern taste with a healthy twist and they've got cornbread and kodiak cakes cornbread is, is what is on there kodiak cakes has whole grains that taste better according to their website 100 percent whole grains before the days of overprocessed, nutrient deprived wheat people relied on whole grains for the nourishment necessary to navigate life on the frontier and at kodiak cakes they use 100 percent whole grains in every product they craft because they taste better and are full of fiber b vitamins and antioxidants that give you long-lasting energy that you'll need to explore your frontier wherever that may be and you can go have a 100 percent whole grain piece of cornbread thanks to kodiak cakes if you're into this it has not only 100 percent whole grains it's protein packed and non-gmo kodiak cakes and we appreciate cameron black letting us know about this southern taste with a healthy twist all right here's another food related thing coming from matt metcalf at matt metcalf 13b matt is a atlanta braves fan a fan of the pga tour of carolina football i think that's tar hills because they write they're also a fan of unc basketball and matt writes as much as i like ireland there's nothing that beats an american southern breakfast and he writes hashtag god bless america he also writes hashtag southern breakfast hashtag omelet hashtag french toast hashtag taters <laughs> matt sounds like when you you must have gone over to ireland and you long to get back if for no other reason 
than to get a good southern breakfast and maybe to watch a little Carolina football, which this past weekend, those heels gave Clemson all they could handle. And Alabama's very thankful because Alabama is your new number one team, by the way. But that is great news that you're back in the U.S. of A., it sounds like, and enjoying a great southern breakfast. And finally here on Hashtag Hullabaloo, we'll wrap it up with a non, non, get it, non-Southern food-related topic. But this one is a fun topic, okay? Mary Harding, we've announced a few of her tweets through the months here on the Y'all Show. She's a noted Wilco fan and a Topo Chico enthusiast. M-E-H-957 on Twitter. Mary Harding, okay? Mary writes, driving to Myrtle Beach, listening to Elton John is an eternal mood hashtag southern well of course if you've been driving to Myrtle Beach here in the last week or so it's been like summertime weather hot you could roll that window down there's no hurricane tropical storm passing through the Grand Strand right now and yeah Mary Hardy that sounds like a great deal rolling that window down and listening to little Elton John however you just gotta wonder there had to be better choices than Elton John. When you're going to Myrtle Beach, for goodness sake, where's your beach music soundtrack? Where is some other good songs? I mean, if you're going to throw it back to the 70s and some good music from that time period that wasn't even necessarily beach music or country music, for goodness sake, hey, what about Neil Diamond and Sweet Caroline? Bom, bom, bom. That'd be a great song to play on the way to Myrtle Beach, Myrtle Beach Days, or all the other great beach songs. Uh, but uh, yeah, if that gets you in what you call an eternal mood, then we're happy for you, Mary Harding. Thank you for sharing that. And of course, thank you for traveling the highways and byways of Dixie to get to a great place like Myrtle Beach in O'Ree County, South Carolina. And that is a look at our hashtag Huddleblue here on this Y'all Monday edition. Well, that will wrap up our first hour. Hey, stick around through the break because when we come back, we're going to have a quick look in the second hour at our sports headlines. We've got an update on the college football rankings, the NFL Sunday action, and we'll also let you know who won at Charlotte on the NASCAR scene on Sunday. Plus, we'll also have in the second hour our friend Jerry Short being very honest and open Jerry Short is going to tell you how, as a 16-year-old boy, he participated in one of the key moments of the civil rights movement. And it wasn't necessarily on the side that most would be out here telling you about. He was, he was on the other side. And we'll ask him about that as he was participating in the very, very controversial at that time protest against integrating the University of Mississippi. And it was a deadly, deadly day. 57 years ago today in Oxford, Mississippi, and Jerry Short was right there. And he's going to tell you about it, and we'll get his thoughts about that and 57 years later, what he thinks of all this. All that is up next with our Teller of Tales from Takapola, Jerry Short. You don't want to miss it. It's up next. If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic and it works. 
I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Credit products are issued by WebBank. Member FDIC rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Offer valid for loan products 90 days after today. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How do I feel? Awesome. Like a huge weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Hundreds of thousands of people are discovering the relief of a fixed-rate debt consolidation loan through Avant. I paid off all my credit cards, and now I just have one easy monthly payment with Avant. And I don't have to worry about the rates going up. Avant offers you access to unsecured debt consolidation loans from $2,000 to $35,000. When I saw Avant was accredited by the Better Business Bureau, I knew that was the company for me. Do you know how good it feels to only worry about one monthly payment? Experience the relief of a debt consolidation loan through Avant. Plus, get a free $50 Amazon gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and get this free offer, go to Avant.com and enter code 5252 when applying. Avant.com code 5252. That's Avant.com code 5252. This is a cow. A cow whose milk became everyone's favorite cheese at the craft fair. But cheese only lasts so long. The impression a small business makes needs to last much longer. And now Vistaprint is introducing free shipping on all business cards in any quantity. Choose from hundreds of fresh designs tailored to your type of company. Or upload your own. The choice is yours. The time is now. For limited time only, get free shipping on all business cards in any quantity with promo code 9999. That's promo code 9999 at Vistaprint.com. Vistaprint. Own the now. Hey, y'all, Jeff Foxworthy here. Now, if you've ever found yourself repeating the same thing over and over for 75 years, you might be Smokey Bear. Only you can prevent wildfires. That's why I'm filling in for Smokey to switch things up, because there's a lot more to say. And I should know, because my grandfather was a firefighter, and one of the things he taught me is that the people that love the outdoors the most are often the ones accidentally starting wildfires. Which means always BYOB. <laughs> no, bring your own bucket to the campfire. And be extra careful with things like burning yard trimmings. Don't just walk away, or chances are you might be starting a wildfire. So, for the love of the outdoors, go to smokybear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Back into another hour of the show all about the South with your host, John Rawl. We've got the teller of tales from Takapola standing by. And boy, do we have one heck of a story from Jerry Short. Today is actually the 57th anniversary of the integration of the University of Mississippi. And it ended up being a riot on the Ole Miss campus back in September of 1962. And guess what? Jerry Short was there and took part in that. And he's going to relay his memories from 57 years ago about why he did what he did and what the scene was there. This was a major point of the civil rights struggle. Jerry Short was there and he's going to tell you what most people would never say because, look, the South was a different place in 1962. And here's Jerry Short going to share his justification for going out against integration at that point. And so we'll find out more 
when that time comes up in the next segment, you don't want to miss that big, big interview with Jerry Short coming up. But right now, as we start this hour of all things Southern, we got to go back and look at the weekend and sports, and we'll start it with some college football news. And we got some big news on the rankings front. Alabama has now jumped in front of Clemson, the Tide, with 29 first-place votes on the AP Top 25, and that's just enough to get past Clemson. Clemson struggled in their game against North Carolina, really probably should have lost that game in Keenan Stadium, but Clemson now drops to number two. Georgia checks in at number three. Ohio State moved up to number four this week. LSU actually slot they went down a slot to number five in the latest AP Top 25. OU at six. Auburn is at seven. Big win for Auburn against Mississippi State this past weekend. Wisconsin eight. Notre Dame nine. The Florida Gators, they sank down to number 10 in the latest AP poll. Texas is at 11. Other Southern teams in the top 25. UCF checks in at number 18. And you have Oklahoma State. They're in the poll at number 21. They were not ranked last week. Wake Forest also in the poll at 22. Virginia, they dropped five spots after they lost in South Bend to the Irish. The Cavs are at 23. SMU, congratulations to the Ponies. They're at number 24. They're 5-0 there in Dallas. Texas A&M drops down to number 25 in the latest AP Top 25. And more action coming up this weekend. You've got the sixth weekend of college football, and we'll be here throughout the week giving you all the latest in the Big 12, the ACC, the SEC, and, of course, come Friday. We will have the Y'all Kickoff Show and more action and more stuff to tell you about here on the Y'all Show. Wrapping up this past weekend of NFL football, it was week four, and the Saints and Cowboys had a great game on Sunday night. Other action to tell you about that happened on Sunday in NFL action. The Tennessee Titans, man, they had a great game in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and the Titans improved to 2-2 two and two with a 24-10, uh, a great sh- shutout in two of the quarters, no points scored by coach of the Falcons and Ryan at quarterback and the Titans and Vrabel they get a win 24-10 the New England Patriots had a little bit of a struggle in upstate New York but they ended up winning 16-10 over the Buffalo Bills the Kansas City Chiefs improved to 4-0 with a big win, 34-30 on the road against the Detroit Lions. The Oakland Raiders, big win for the Raiders, 31-24. They defeat the Colts, and now the Raiders head over to London for a game this coming weekend, and Oakland now 2-2 on the season. The L.A. Chargers went all the way to Miami and emerged with a 30-10 victory. The Dolphins now to drop to 0-4 on the season. Hey, the New York Giants fun continues as the football Giants won 24-3 over the Washington Redskins. I could anticipate a coaching change coming to our nation's capital any day now. New York now 2-2 two and two with their new quarterback, the Duke rookie. The Cleveland Browns got a big win on Sunday over the Ravens 40-25. to Hey, the Carolina Panthers and their backup quarterback doing it again for the second week in a row. They go to Houston and they get a win over the Texans. Christian McCaffrey, a big game there for the Panthers. 16-10, Carolina wins. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a big, I mean, you talk about a shocking win, 55-40. to Tampa Bay beats the defending NFC champion LA Rams out in Tinseltown and Tampa Bay improves to 2-2 two and two on the season the seattle seahawks beat arizona 27 to 10 arizona still has not won a game this year the chicago bears and their throwback helmet awesome job there in the windy city they get the win over the minnesota vikings 16 to 6 the jacksonville jaguars improved to two and two big road win 
for the great quarterback from Mississippi originally who went on to star at Washington State and the Jags got the 26-24 victory in the Mile High City and that's a quick look at what happened on Sunday and Monday Night Football you got the Bengals at the Steelers the Steelers and Bengals both teams have not won a single game this year this game on ESPN commencing at 8:15 Eastern 7:15 Central and that's the recap of your NFL action from over the weekend to NASCAR they were racing in the home of NASCAR in the Charlotte area this past weekend and Chase Elliott got a big win there at Charlotte Motor Speedway and he capped a sloppy Sunday in scorching temperatures at Charlotte Motor Speedway where he won despite crashing head-on into a tire barrier earlier on the Roval and he got the win there and his win advances him in this playoff race going on in NASCAR and a great job there in the second round of NASCAR's playoffs the North Georgia native Chase Elliott with the big win. Now to Major League Baseball, and we have our division winners and our wild card winners in place. The Yankees, the Twins, and the Astros, your division, your division leaders of the American League, and your wild card is the Athletics and the Tampa Bay Rays. National League, the Braves won. That happened last week. The Cardinals won over the weekend. Great job there in St. Louis. And the Dodgers were your best team in the National League. Your wild card winners the milwaukee brewers and the washington nationals and now what's going on on the major league baseball schedule you got the american league and national league wild card action going on in fact the nl begins their wild card game on tuesday with the nationals and the brewers getting together in washington dc on wednesday tampa bay will be out at oakland with the wild card game there then thursday the dodgers host that wild card winner and the atlanta braves host the st louis cardinals in a game at suntrust park on thursday evening and that's a quick look at your major league baseball action and also for all you cubby fans a parting of the ways with the cubs and their manager after about five years at the helm in the windy city joe madden out as the cub skipper the pirates also dismissing their leader over the weekend and that is what's going on with our sports recap of the weekend when we come back on y'all we'll switch over to the teller of tales from takapola way jerry short is on to tell us about his role in the 1962 riot at the old miss campus that is up next here on y'all I want to keep my heart healthy, so I get my cholesterol checked regularly. And when my doctor told me my cholesterol was borderline, I found garlic. According to my pharmacist, there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. And one garlic tablet is equal to a whole clove of garlic, except it's odor-free. Yep, I'm doing what I can for my cholesterol, and I'm doing it with garlic. Garlic, cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Credit products are issued by WebBank. Member FDIC rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Offer valid for loan products 90 days after today. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How do I feel? Awesome. Like a huge weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Hundreds of thousands of people are discovering the relief of a fixed-rate debt consolidation loan through Avant. I paid off all my credit cards, and now I just have one easy monthly payment with Avant. And I don't have to worry about the rates going up. Avant offers you access to unsecured debt consolidation loans from $2,000 to $35,000. When I saw Avant was accredited by the Better Business Bureau, I knew that was the company for me. 
Do you know how good it feels to only worry about one monthly payment? Experience the relief of a debt consolidation loan through Avant. Plus, get a free $50 Amazon gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and get this free offer, go to Avant.com and enter code 5252 when applying. Avant.com code 5252. That's Avant.com code 5252. This is a cow. A cow whose milk became everyone's favorite cheese at the craft fair. But cheese only lasts so long. The impression a small business makes needs to last much longer. And now Vistaprint is introducing free shipping on all business cards in any quantity. Choose from hundreds of fresh designs tailored to your type of company. Or upload your own. The choice is yours. The time is now. For a limited time only, get free shipping on all business cards in any quantity with promo code 9999. That's promo code 9999 at Vistaprint.com. Vistaprint. Own the now. Billy Joel made that song famous in the late 1980s. We didn't start the fire. And there's a reason we're playing that tune right now on the Y'all Show. Welcome back. It's time for our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short, to join us. And Jerry, I know you pretty well. And I know that, well, on this day in 1962, it was September 30th, 1962, you just happened to be part of the reason that years later, someone would write a song called We Didn't Start the Fire and include the term Ole Miss in that song there because they didn't say Ole Miss in the Billy Joel song because they liked the rebels. They said it because of the riot that happened there in September of 1962 that began on this very date. And Jerry Short, I do believe, welcome to the show, I do believe Thanks, you, you know a little bit about that particular day in history. Well, yeah, I'm probably the last POW of the Civil War. Uh, I know just about everything. I probably know more about it than uh, it knows about itself. Well, let's start for our audience. Let's keep in mind, a lot of people, Jerry, have no idea about that riot on the campus of the University of Mississippi in 1962. This happened during the John F. Kennedy era, and the University of Mississippi and the state of Mississippi was denying James Meredith his entrance into the university. He was the first black student enrolled, but he came to the campus on this day of September 30th, 1962, and there was a riot that took place, and Meredith would ultimately be admitted and would become the first black graduate in the history of the University of Mississippi. And when that happened, virtually no other schools in the South really put up much of a fight, if any, and it really changed the course of history. But there were a lot of people in Oxford, Mississippi, Jerry, that were against this. Virtually everybody was against it. And there was a 16-year-old kid who was living right in the area named Jerry Short who was against it and did something about it. And again, you were a minor, so that is your excuse if you have any excuse. But this is something you and I have talked about through the years that you take great pride in, that you were part of this. And it wasn't because you were against blacks. It was because you were against the federal government, I guess, sticking it to the the South at that time. Is that right? 
That's ab- <clears throat> that's absolutely correct, John. I, uh, the thing with me, I you know, I never considered it one time about integration or, you know, I, I, you know let me retract that because, you know, our governor uh, and everybody else that was that was a that was a point uh, of the whole deal with with the Kennedy administration and everything was to get James Meredith enrolled at the University of Mississippi. So, but that, you know, it just didn't seem like that was it because at the time, none of us in, in the South really liked Kennedy at all. You know, he wasn't very well thought of, and, and uh, by Mississippians especially. Well, you said none of us. Let's let's clarify that. I think some Southerners voted for him. There were states that went Kennedy in the 1960 presidential yeah, I think race. Yeah, religious regions, I think Louisiana may have. And uh, I'm well, not real sure. I'm pretty sure South Carolina voted for him, and I'm sure mm. Tennessee did, and most of the southern states went for Kennedy. Well, we we did in Mississippi. Oh, you didn't? So. Who who did <laughs> get, who, who did you who did Mississippi go for? Um, uh, we uh, you know, I've seen the name, and I <laughs> I don't even know if I can tell you. I just know that we despise Kennedy so much that uh, Kennedy was an ugly word in your house growing in mine growing up. You just didn't say John Kennedy about anything. And uh, I know, and uh, you know, things have a way of changing, I guess, through history. But it, I had a teacher that uh, they had to calm the high school down that I was in. And they had to do it at colleges, not just at Ole Miss. When he got assassinated, people were cheering. And uh, they come on the intercom, our superintendent did, and told us that the president of the United States had been assassinated. And, and everybody was hollering. They hoped it was uh, by somebody from Mississippi. But uh, I had a had a history teacher that said, you know, I don't, I didn't like him either. She, but she said, this is one of the worst things that could ever happen because he'll make a martyr out of him. And if he could live, it'll prove he wasn't a very good president. So, you know, I find her words to be on target. And, uh, but, but you know, a year that, before that, though, in, <laughs> in September and into October of 62 is when Kennedy was president and he activated troops and had 30,000 troops sent to little Oxford, Mississippi, which probably had about, what, 5,000 people in town, if that? Oh, uh, we had about 7,000. <clears> That's men, women, and children, obviously. Uh, so if you're talking about it, somebody that could have been an aggressor against you, you'd probably be talking about 3,000. And uh, if you get through women and everything, then you might be talking about 2,500. But uh, the university had uh, about 6,500. And uh, so you put those two together. And, uh, of course, then Ole Miss always had more more women than it had males, more females. So <clears throat> male population at Ole Miss would have probably been mm, 3,000 or so. And so, you know, you, you, you didn't have that – Let's just say it was a big time overkill by the uh, federal government well, to bring the thirty thousand troops into a community of that size. Well, after there was violence on that night of September thirtieth, of sixty two, again thirty thousand troops ultimately ended up in Oxford, and it was martial law. And martial law was put on the town and in the Lafayette County area for months. And there were kids who dropped out of school and never came back. And there were local citizens who had nothing to do with this that had to endure martial law for months at American town. 
that was under this kind of, I guess, grip of the federal government. Now, it was a deadly riot that night of September 30th. There were two people killed. There was a French journalist who was killed as soon as he got on campus. For whatever reason, we still don't know who did the killing in this case. And there was also a a local common guy that was in the Oxford area who was shot up on the Oxford Square, and he was a jukebox repairman. That's a job you don't see too much these days, Jerry. But he was right. he, he was gunned down for whatever reason. Nobody really knows the answer to that. They, they say he took a stray bullet. Okay, uh, from somewhere. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, and you say two people uh, were killed. Uh, well, you know, I, I've kind of set the general stage now, Jerry. I've got you on here here with Jerry Short, our teller of tales from Takapola, to kind of let us know what you experienced that night. Because honestly, Jerry, we're talking something that happened fifty-seven years ago now, and that's a long time ago. And you, as a I guess sixteen-year-old when 16 this year old. happened. Jerry, I hate to tell you this, but you're one of the few survivors that were around for this martial law and riot yeah. on campus at the University of Mississippi. And most people throughout the decades who were part of it, just like you were, have never said a word. So this is maybe historic that we've got a guy who's on our show today, Jerry Short, who not only participated, but really you've kind of talked about it through the years. And, yeah, I've never quit talking about it. And you've right. kind of taken it as a point of pride that you did something against the integration at Ole Miss. Well, you know, there again, let me repeat. And of course, I won. I was a, I was for segregation then, but at the same time, <clears throat> which which sounds terrible. Way. Okay, that sounds terrible yeah. to say in 2019. But Jerry, but, in 1962, Mississippi, what 99 percent of the population was for segregation. I never knew a person that was not. Okay. So uh, anyway, our, uh, our governor uh, obviously uh, was uh, a segregationist. Our senators were both segregationists, as we all know, as most Southern senators were at the time. Uh, you know, it hadn't been long that we'd come out of the Dixiecrat situation. And uh, so you know how we felt about all that. And uh, the Little Rock situation was brought up occasionally with Eisenhower and uh, Central High and Little Rock. However, uh, in Mississippi, uh, was a little bit. We were a little bit more hardcore, I think, as far as to break that uh, shell to try to get something turned around that the government was trying to do. And you know, I, I, I get I get completely bent out of shape listening to some of the stuff when they were doing the same thing in Chicago and New York that we were doing, but they wanted to force it down to us. And, and that's the reason I prefer, I prefer and I always do clarify that with me, it was more against our federal government at the time than it was for the integration part or the segregation part. Well, it was a completely screwed up time, and I was a guy born in 1971, many years after integration happened at universities like the University of Mississippi and Alabama and all the other states. 
But I'll tell, just to give you one slice of a person that joined you there in Oxford in September of 1962, General Edwin Walker. If y'all don't know who that is, go look it up. At one time, he was America's top-ranking general over in Europe as part of NATO. And he ended up getting fired by Kennedy just a little bit before this Oxford deal because he was so anti-communist that Kennedy kind of wanted to control him and said, we need to get this hothead out of the arena. So he was pretty much forced into retirement. And guess what? Edwin Walker, a four-star general, a hero from World War II, ends up coming to Oxford for this riot and kind of help lead the people against the marshals and the airborne troops that were on their way as part of this riot. And you remember that well, Jerry. Uh, certainly I do. Uh, when General Walker, <clears throat> the students at the time, of course, obviously at 16, I was a high school student, but the college students knew every federal marshal's name, all the leaders of it. They knew John Doerr. They knew Max Shane, who was the chief federal marshal. They knew all of them because they'd been keeping up with it as it was getting ready to happen. We'd played Kentucky and Jackson the Saturday night before when uh, our governor got, took, the, took the center of the field to fire people up. And, uh, and you know, you talk about just Mississippi. They had uh, <clears throat> our highway patrol was there at Oxford when they came in. They, they came in that afternoon, the federal marshals, about 500 federal marshals. Came in on deuce and a half. And this again was to to enroll James Meredith as the first black student at the University of Mississippi. It was ordered that he had to integrate. You know, they had already tried to uh, enroll him in Jackson. You could enroll in Jackson at the uh, at the state college board down there, and uh, he was he was turned away at the Capitol. And then the Lieutenant Governor Paul B. Johnson he brought. Uh, he, he blocked the bridge coming into the campus at Ole Miss uh, that next week or three or four days there afterwards. Let me repeat that. The did. lieutenant governor of a state literally get, got in the road and blocked the, I guess, yeah, he, federal he, officials that were trying to enroll Meredith. Well, they had Max Shane, who was a chief federal marshal, and John Doerr. They, they had Meredith with them, Mr. Meredith with them. And as they got to the bridge, it goes from town into the campus to join each other. Then. And as they got to the bridge, our uh, lieutenant governor, uh, Paul Johnson, he drew his fist back on McShane. They, they faced off body to body, chest to chest, and uh, they turned them away. And I guess they knew that's when the only thing he was going to do is be forced with military action. And uh, so... That's when the, the plan B <clears throat> or plan A, I guess by now, went into effect. And this and, was green lighted by the Kennedy administration? Uh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the brother, the Attorney General, Robert. And uh, Robert was mostly the one that uh, handled all that because he had uh, John Doerr down there with him. And uh, he, he came to Ole Miss and he was his right hand man in Washington. I think later he may have actually become the attorney general for someone else. Doerr did, but uh, anyway, Max Shane and all of them—you know—they were the they were the top dogs in the in the federal government, and they were there to make sure that he got in. So they they, they got together five hundred federal marshals uh, to bring to the campus to seal it off that Sunday afternoon, and they landed at the airport, which was a small airport. 
they uh, they landed at the airport, and I was out by the airport, and they came in on uh, uh, um, Country Club Road, which come from the airport to the Ole Miss campus to Sorority uh, um, Sorority Road. And as, as they came in, they they had already sent some deuce and a half down from Millington Naval Base in Memphis, and they picked them up at the uh, airport, and they loaded up. And it wasn't all federal marshals. I've talked to a federal marshal in San Bernardino, California, since that knows the whole story also, but uh, I can't repeat all that. But he uh, <clears throat> he <clears throat> he said that they had a lot of prison guards mixed in with the federal marshals. And they had Border Patrol uh, guards mixed in with the federal uh, marshals to have a force that they thought would be big enough. And then they uh, went on and activated that day. They activated the 101st Airborne out of Fort Campbell, Kentucky, which wasn't that far down, 79 to Memphis, to bring them on to Millington. So they brought them on and had them on standby, which they needed uh, after the riot broke out that night, uh, which... A lot, you know. You said you mentioned General Evan Walker a while ago, and he got on the Confederate statue, and I, I stood under him as a kid and listened to him tell us how to attack. He wanted flanks from each side on the administration building, which is an antebellum structure uh, called the Lyceum, and that's where you you would have rested him uh, the next day. And, uh, of course, it was just a ride, and they were building a biology building next to the Confederate statue, which is about uh, 200 yards from the uh, – 150, 200 yards from the steps of the Lyceum building. And uh, all the brick bats uh, – all the bricks became brick bats, meaning that they were broken in half or quarters and charged and thrown at the marshals after the ride started. So uh, – but Max, but uh, Walker, he said, gentlemen, uh, let's get them. This is the long way to Cuba. And for you historians, remember, we had the Bay of Pigs not too long before that with Castro mm-hmm. and all. And then, uh, then the next thing he said, uh, this is a long way to Cuba. They're building a uh, staging area for Cuba here. Then we had the Cuban Missile Crisis in 63. No, you had the Cuban Missile Crisis like less than about two weeks later. That's right. It was two weeks later. I'm sorry. And that's why the Ole Miss riot oftentimes has been forgotten about through history because of the Cuban Missile Crisis. That and what Walker said. He told uh, the students it was some some, uh, television and media personnel already on campus. Like Dan Rather. Dan Dan Rather was there and also Charles Carroll was there too. Yeah, both of them guys were there. But they weren't there then. But it was more local, like Memphis and uh, stations like that, and WHPQ, WMC, and all that stuff. And they had their cars there. And uh, General Walker said, uh, get the cameras and the film where they won't have any recorded history. And uh, that's what happened. They turned, they used to turn them over and burn them. And there's a lot of, a lot of those motif cocktails there, too. And so uh, they would turn them over and, uh, and burn the cars and burn and get to any kind of camera they could find and, and destroy it. So, you know, there was one guy, Ed Meek, I believe was a student there then. And he's been in the news here recently. And they let him alone because he was a student and nobody really thought anything about it. So 
if you happen to see a few photos, which I'm in a couple, unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, if you happen to see a few, he took them. It wasn't usually by any media. And uh, because the media stuff was destroyed. And that's one reason that that thing slid under the radar so much, too. Well, how did this thing get to be out of control and where people got killed, Jerry? Okay, well, I was that afternoon, uh, the library there, the town is named after J.D. Williams. And I was standing there by him, listening to him talking to students. His students started coming back from the football game. And who was J.D. Williams? Eddie Williams was a chancellor at the time. Okay. And he was out at the center of the Lyceum. They already had the deuce and a half surrounding the Lyceum building. And they already had the federal marshals on the steps. And they had what you call a helmet uh, uh, liner. They were wearing helmet liners, which gives you a little head protection. Uh, not as good as a football helmet, but a little little protection. And they had bulletproof vests. And they, had, uh, they were all loaded with tear gas guns. And they had tear gas guns that looked like a sawed-off shotgun, really. But you could drop a grenade, cylinder grenade, down in it. Which I didn't know anything about all this stuff then, but they were shoulder-to-shoulder. Shoulder, and they weren't moving, and they were just as quiet as they could be. So as things rocked on, as, as, as it kind of started, more students started gathering, and the whole, the whole circle there filled up with stuff. At that time, just about all students. Yes, but let me, let me go ahead and quickly tell people what ended up happening is people from all over the South descended on Oxford, Mississippi, because they knew this was about to happen or was starting to happen. Yeah. And there was almost like a call, hey, if you want to defend the South, you better go to this town called Oxford and bring your shotguns or whatever you've got, because this is where we're going to have the next battle of the Civil War. Now, take it back. And also, uh, you know, a lot of people don't it don't get out, but every other state surrounding Mississippi, Alabama, t- uh, Tennessee, Arkansas, Louisiana, they had their highway patrol at their state lines waiting on Barnett if he needed assistance because Barnett had made everybody think that he was going to use the Mississippi Highway Patrol and they were going to go ahead and fight it out with them. And, uh, but he never called those other states. So it got out of hand really quick and it was just a few cat calls and, uh, from students and the marshals were starting to get irritated and they were standing there and somebody did throw a a bottle or two was thrown, and they hit, uh, if you're familiar with a military uh, deuce and a half, a two-and-a-half-ton uh, transportation truck. If you're familiar with a deuce and a half, uh, it's all metal just about except the uh, side planks or wood. But a bottle hit, a, hit one of them and broke. And when that bottle broke, uh, it hit a federal marshal in the arm, some of the glass. And he went and kind of grabbed his arm, you know, and, oh, like it hurt him bad. And all the at that time it was ninety percent students there, and they all started you know oh oh baby oh he's hurt, and without warning you know Max uh, Max Shane who was standing there at the front doors of the Lyceum building, he told all his men it was surrounding the place and it blocked off, uh, port arms ready aim fire, and they fired point blank into the crowd, and uh, it was a highway patrolman that almost died dead of fly him out to the hospital. And what did they fire? They fired those tear gas grenade guns. And uh, and I think, and I can't prove it, but uh, but I tried to rescue a boy during the riot that was uh, shot and laying by a tree up pretty close to the Lyceum building. And he had been shot in the shoulder from behind with a sawed-off shotgun, 
with birdshot in it. It didn't have slugs or anything, but it had birdshot in it. And me and a friend of mine was trying to get him and get him back down to the statue and down to the end. And as we tried to uh, get him out of the way, they come down and, and uh, shot at us with uh, tear gas. And tear gas was, it, London has never seen a foggier night than Oxford, Mississippi had. On September 30th, 1962. Talking to Jerry Short, the teller of tales from Doc Polo. Jerry, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about the riot on the University of Mississippi campus on this day 57 years ago, which you were a part of. And I want to ask how you got captured. We'll find out when we come back at the conclusion of today's Y'all Show. Credit products are issued by WebBank. Member FDIC rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Offer valid for loan products 90 days after today. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How do I feel? Awesome. Like a huge weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Hundreds of thousands of people are discovering the relief of a fixed-rate debt consolidation loan through Avant. I paid off all my credit cards, and now I just have one easy monthly payment with Avant. And I don't have to worry about the rates going up. Avant offers you access to unsecured debt consolidation loans from $2,000 to $35,000. When I saw Avant was accredited by the Better Business Bureau, I knew that was the company for me. Do you know how good it feels to only worry about one monthly payment? Experience the relief of a debt consolidation loan through Avant. Plus, get a free $50 Amazon gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and get this free offer, go to Avant.com and enter code 5252 when applying. Avant.com code 5252. That's Avant.com code 5252. Back now for the final segment of this Y'all Show, Talk with a Southern Accent. Our teller of tales from Takapola, Jerry Shore, is with us. And he is remembering today the riot on the campus of the University of Mississippi, which happened exactly 57 years ago today, September 30th, 1962. And Jerry Short, as a 16-year-old growing up in the Oxford area, ended up being on campus and was part of a throng of students and people throughout the South, frankly, that were protesting the enrollment of James Meredith as the first black student on the campus at the University of Mississippi. Jerry, we've already set the steam scene where things kind of were getting out of hand the night of September 30th. And where were you, and how did you end up being captured, as you've always said? Well, real real quickly, the uh, they, they had federalized the Mississippi National Guard. The federal marshals were running out of tear gas. Mississippi National Guard came in quickly, and the Oxford Unit, and the Water Valley Unit, and the Pontotoc and the surrounding area units, they all come in with uh, rebel battle flags flying on their uh, Army equipment. But which, uh, the students had set up a uh, barricade, uh, as you come up uh, sorority road and put concrete uh, park benches up that they had to hit and go through. So when they, they got bombarded pretty hard and pretty heavy. But I know a couple of people, one guy was uh, messed up for life. He got hit with a brick in the head. But uh, anyway, uh, it was a, it was in a, a garden. But uh, then after that, it got so bad, um, they, they 
they were bringing the uh, federal troops in then. And they didn't have GPS systems and all that then. So as they were coming into Oxford, they just had to come in the best way they could get into Oxford. And uh, cops in Holly Springs and north of Oxford were changing road signs and sending them to Tupelo and to Potts Camp and places away from Oxford. And they changed the road signs. And they like to never got there. But when they got there, they rolled in in convoys like I'd never seen before in my life. I mean, it was just numbers of numbers of of, uh, of 101st Airborne. And again, 30,000 troops ended up going to the University of Mississippi campus for this. At one time or another. Now, a lot of them camped out in the Holly Springs National Park, and they brought the ones in they needed. They were shoulder to shoulder around the square. Mm-hmm. Once they secured the square, the Army was. And uh, they, they they kept all that, and they in the, in the National Guard, they were south of town, and they were in the thousands. I, I, I think they federalized 10,000, but probably 4,000 were actually in Oxford. Uh, but everybody was federalized in the whole state. Kennedy did, did that before the riot broke out. But uh, anyway, as uh, as I, I looked down, I uh, had a couple of friends that was with me also, and uh, they uh, – they got captured just standing at uh, uh, Old University High School, which uh, is the music center now on campus, I think. Right near the Ole Miss mm-hmm. baseball stadium. Right, right behind the stadium baseball stadium. And uh, they were just standing there, and, and and the troops come along, and they were mad. And they put a bayonet in, in them and marched them on towards a, a Lyceum building where they would they would take you and they'd interrogate you. And then they would transport you on out to a prison they had set up out at the airport. They had built a prison out of Constantine wire, and it was a circle, and they made you sit in it and put your head between your left knees. Uh, but I hadn't got there yet. I was I was down at the depot, and some guys were throwing cross ties off uh, on the car, the convoys that came under the railroad truss. And as it came under, they'd throw these cross ties off. And you, you weren't there, doing yeah. that? Well, I can't say too much. I mean, statue of limitation up. I think, I think so. Okay. Yeah, I grabbed the end of a cross tie or two to throw. And then they was, throw, was throwing them through the uh, windshields of Jeeps and uh, throwing them through the canvas on Deuce and Haves. And they were all full of men, 101st Airborne people. And as they came on in, uh, some uh, 101st Airborne gentlemen put a bayonet in me and said, let's go. So. You know, it don't take long to figure that out. Uh, if you're 16 or if you're 40, you say, okay, <laughs> so you go. Well, they made a mistake and took me through the – they marched me right in, inside the Lyceum building. Which was, again, was the, the main building on the campus of the university, the administration building. building. Right. And and out behind the Lyceum building is where they would pick you up with deuce and ass and military. After they interrogated you, after they captured you, then they'd take you on out to the uh, – uh, temporary prison they had set up out there so as i uh, i went through the middle of the thing i'm not going to say how many people and i saw them dragging them in the uh, lyceum building all night i've talked to people that was in the military a detail sergeant that i've talked to him he's still alive and he's told me that they were uh needing doctors so bad up there that next morning when the uh, national guard had come up there to bring them reinforced thing uh tear gas 
he, he said that they'd say, I got a man with a sucking chest wound, or I got a man with this, or I got a man with that. Where's the doctor? The doctor had about three doctors at that time. And so they had to use some, uh, they'd use medics if they had any, if they could find any. And so I know a lot of people, more than two, I'll always believe perished. And I've been told that how they could get away with that would be say that one of the prison guards at Leavenworth was stabbed. One of the guards on the border was killed or one of the so-and-so was killed somewhere else. And uh, you could get away with, you know, some numbers. Because people started shooting guns off, right? Well, see, some of these, uh, the outsiders, I I don't don't think students shot any guns. Uh, You know, I've been in defense of students. Because with the students, it was, it just started out as a thing that just got out of hand. And, uh, but with these other people that were coming in, they had 3030s and 30 out sixes and they got up on top of the buildings, uh, adjacent to the, uh, Lyceum building. And you can still find, uh, bullet holes in the columns, the old Southern column, Greek columns. Of the Lyceum. Yeah, you can still find, uh, bullet holes every now and then. Some of the plaster where they try to fix it will fall out. And, uh, if you look close, you can tell where places have been fixed. It was so much, so many bullets shot across there, and that's how I know. And I was watching them drag them back in, and they had some just small decorative dang uh, street lights around the Lyceum building, and you could see a little bit through the uh, through the fog, uh, the tear gas fog, but you couldn't see much. So anyway, they carried me in there, and and uh, that's the reason I think with peripheral vision to the right and the left as you go in the Lyceum building it's a hallway down both sides to your left and your right and then they walk me straight down the uh down into the uh back of the building and then some uh mp wanted to know how in the heck did i get inside the building and uh, they carried me downstairs in the basement and spit on me and kicked me and i had a confederate flag that uh, had flown over the over the flagpole at Ole Miss that night. And uh, I'd got it to put around my head to tear gas, to keep tear gas off of me. And they said, we're going to make you eat this flag. And they'd, 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 they cussed us something awful. The three or four of us that was down there, there was two other guys with me. I don't know who they were. They were picked up at the same time down at the railroad. But um, anyway, they put us in a, they put us on in a, uh, after, after we got out and got in the back and, got interrogated i went on out to the compound and and i was down there and, I, and luckily i was 16 and a colonel come by and i spent a lot of time in the military but i recognized i recognized he was a full bird colonel and he looked down and he asked me he walked by me and then he turned and come back and i i looked up and i was totally having my head between my legs i guess is the reason he come back and he said how old are you boy and i said 16 and I was dressed good because I was supposed to have been in training years, by the way. <laughs> Golly. And, and so, anyway, he uh, he said, uh, you, uh, you're you 16. And he turned to a sergeant and he said, get this kid to the dang uh, barricade at the city limits and get him out of here. I told him I lived out of town. Yeah. I didn't live in the city limits. So, uh, you know, long story short, uh, that's kind of how I got away. By being 16, I guess. And I don't know what they did with the other people they kept, but they finally released all of them because there wasn't much you could do. 
you know, you couldn't prove anything. Yeah. Anybody anything. Jerry, we, we kind of have to wrap it. with you. We've got, there's so much you can say. We're going to have to get you back on and have you tell the rest of the story. But what a, an important chapter in the civil rights struggle. And here is Jerry Short, again, as a 16-year-old, telling a story that you really haven't heard probably a lot of, the, the other side. In fact, the only other side to tell, a lot of those characters have all passed away, except James Meredith is still with us and has had his own interesting history throughout the decades with his alma mater, the University of Mississippi. Meredith, I, Meredith would go I on. I have debated. I have debated Mr. Meredith before. Yeah. Mr. Meredith oh. would go on and be enrolled and went through the campus for the next year and graduated, becoming the first black graduate of the University of Mississippi. And again, has a rather complicated and controversial history with his alma mater. The alma mater has a complicated history with James Meredith, yeah. if, you, if you really want well, to know the truth. John, actually, Mr. Meredith only stayed to spring, and he just uh, took uh, French. So his uh, it, all he got was French there, and it was from uh, no uh, October to uh, March. He only April. took one class? Uh, as far as I know, I know one girl that was in a class with him, and the federal marshal would take They'd have to walk him to class, and then they would go in the classroom and sit with him. Huh. And then they slept with him in Baxter Hall. Also. Yeah, I knew that. All right. Yeah. Jerry, I guess one thing I want to wrap up with you, it's been 57 years since the riot on the campus of the University of Mississippi, and you know, th- things have changed there. The whole South has changed through the years. If you had to kind of wrap it up here as a guy looking back at something that happened 57 years ago, that thought, that sentiment would be? Well, I guess what you'd have to say was, that's the way it was. And uh, that being the way it was, we followed, uh, I was following Barnett, our leader. Hey, that's what he told us all to do. Uh, that's what every governor did. That's what McKesson in Louisiana did. That's what George Wallace in Alabama at the time did. You know, he had a similar situation that he showcased the next year yeah. at the University of Alabama. Are you now, Are you embarrassed by what you did looking back? Uh, no, because, I mean, how can you turn clock back and do something like that that was the way it was? And, uh, you know, if I was going to write a novel about it today, I guess I'd entitle it That's the Way It Was. Are you glad uh, that James Meredith got enrolled ultimately in the University of Mississippi in the South? There's not a single segregated university or high school, I guess, either public, it is, at least. Well, you know, you, you're, throwing, you're throwing some really hard questions at me. And, uh, oh, don't come right at me, okay? <laughs> no, no, my rising days are over. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, if everything would have turned out just a little bit different, and as we look at today's times, I find there's more resentment and hatred between people today than it was in 62. Hmm. And I don't know where we're headed with all this. And I'm not talking black and white. I'm talking people. I'm talking Maybe Republican, Democrat, maybe whatever. But there's there's some hatred out here today. And we didn't see that hatred growing up. Like I said, that's the way it was. Yeah. And so if I had it to do over again, I'm sure I would have felt in there the same identical way. You know, and then so and I'm and I most if anybody would be honest with you, you know, I've got a friend that become a doctor and he tells now that he threw he threw a rock, but he tried to catch it and realized he was wrong later, you know? So I, I hear stories from every direction, John. Wow. And everybody wants 
own up and tell you, you know, but I'm going to tell you that's the way it was. And I'm sure I would have done the same thing because that's what I knew. That's what we all knew at my age then, mostly. We hadn't been told anything different at home, most of us. And uh, I'm not going to say all of us. I'm going to say most of us. Yeah. And so, yeah, you would, uh, you'd, you'd fall in most of those same tracks. And, I, you know, I, I think I would in about anything. You know, sometimes I think I'm Forrest Gump. You know, I can, I can, I can tell you stories. I was a block away when Martin Luther King got killed in Memphis. So, you know, there's just, it's all kind of things, but you don't, you can't change history. Yeah. And history's here with us. And, and, um, so let's just, uh, leave it at that and say that, um, that's the way it was. And if you happen to be one of the people there, some left because they were scared. Some of the students, I saw it in them. They were scared, slapped to death. I don't blame them. Uh, so, um, that's, that's it, John. I mean, it's, uh, September 30th, 1962, at the University of Mississippi, James Meredith's integration, a deadly night, and our Takapola storyteller there as a 16-year-old. Jerry, thank you for sharing that with us, and uh, Sorry about that. what a story, what a story, a true story here from the Takapola storyteller. Yeah, I, I think, John, you that's been verified by some friend of yours, set by an LSU person that came up from LSU one time. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, I think. I so. think so. Jerry, thank anyway. you. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. And that will wrap up our y'all show here on this Monday. Hey, make sure you tune in on Tuesday. We're going to have Big 12 talk. We're going to have barbecue talk. And we're going to have so much for you coming on the Tuesday y'all show as well as the rest of the week. Thanks for listening to the y'all show. Talk with a Southern accent. Southern accent.